Hey guys, welcome back to the i76 podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Spencer. And we are back after a week off. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. You know, it was a exciting week off. Um, that's actually not true, but uh, we're here. So welcome we're, us back with open arms, please. We're here. We got tons of sports talk to go over because so much shit has happened in the past two weeks. So much. But first and foremost, Dave is a bigger LeBron fan than I am. Um, so <laughs> you know, let me elaborate that because Dave's not only a Red Sox fan, but also a fan of the Pittsburgh Penguins. So for context, um, the as of right now, it is reported that the Penguins are in talks of being bought out by Fenway Sports Group, which is the same uh, ownership of the Boston Red Sox and the um, freaking Liverpool FC. And on top of that, LeBron James is um, he is a big stake with that company. So technically speaking, in the next couple of days or weeks or whatever, LeBron James may have a big stake in the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that's something. That'd be awesome. I would love to have a Pittsburgh Penguins LeBron <laughs> jersey, dude. Um, I mean, yeah, I've I don't know. It's... Like this, this will surpass when the Lake Erie Monsters did a Shaquille O'Neal jersey night special. I was I was on my break at work earlier, and I just like it just came up on Twitter out of nowhere. I'm like, apparently this this has been in talks for a while. I've never seen anything with this whatsoever. Um, I'm sure all of the old head Penguins fans are gonna get pissed off about it, but like Fenway Sports Group, they kind of um, I mean. Th- they're known for kind of uh, demolishing and reconstructing teams. They did it with the Red Sox. They did it with Liverpool FC. And I mean, both of those sports clubs are very successful right now. So yeah, look not... at the Red Sox this year compared to last year. Yeah. And um, I mean, obviously um, the team has been owned by, well, Lemieux has had um, part of their ownership since 1999. Apparently Lemieux is still going to have a minority ownership with it which i mean that's cool because i mean everyone in pittsburgh wants lemieux to still be you know involved wait with... lemieux didn't retire until like the mid-2000s right yeah dude lemieux was like a coach manager he owned the team he did oh like my everything God. while playing dave he's jackie moon yeah he is li- jackie no, literally moon. yeah yeah he single-handedly kind of saved the pittsburgh penguins whenever talks of uh leaving pittsburgh came up so yeah apparently he's still going to have um a smaller part of ownership, which is cool because I mean, everyone wants him to still be involved with the team because he's like a hero for us. Um, the other right. owner, I think his name's Ron Burkle or something. Yeah. He uh, was the other owner. I think he's going to be out with this new deal. So yeah, a lot to think about kind of came out of nowhere today, but it is what it is. I suppose. Could they please do a halftime show where uh, Mario Lemieux wrestles a bear in the middle of the ice? Oh my God. <laughs> it just literally makes semi pro. Yes, you didn't know that. Yeah, Lemieux literally like played on the team. He like managed it. He was an owner. Like he did everything for for us for like four or five years. Well, well, dude, what's funny about that is, um, I I just I I can't seem to think off the top of my head of any other player that owned the team ever. Like that's unheard of. (laughs) But no, the best. What do you think the best thing he's ever done as an owner is? Because there is a correct answer to this. Uh, I mean, there's hundreds of things that he, he has contributed to, to the city of Pittsburgh and the Pittsburgh Penguins, but what's your answer? Um, he got rid of the stupid gold in your logo and brought back the bright yellow. Oh yeah, that was, yeah, I, that, uh, uniform that we had up until like 2016 or 17 was so ugly. There was a time, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
no i was just gonna say like it, it our uniforms back in like the like all the way through like the 90s were that classic like black and yellow like pittsburgh type of steel same um same colors as the pittsburgh steelers so yeah that was a good move to go back to that yeah there's a weird time in like the early to mid 2000s where every hockey team just got the same uniforms but just darker and more faded colors like it looks like you're watching a hockey game directed by Zack snyder right like uh you know obviously the penguins did it oilers did it the islanders did it the Rangers, like literally every team like just what during this specific time period, it was weird <laughs> yeah so this is a lot to think about i mean the penguins have kind of been a mess the past couple of weeks because um covid um crosby was out for a minute with injuries came back for one game got covid like a day after that um, our coach, Mike Sullivan, was out for a while with COVID. Our, our team is just kind of a disaster right now. We're second um, from last in our division. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, big change in manage- management apparently coming up for the Penguins. Yeah, and, and I'm going to – do I jump on the Penguins bandwagon if LeBron gets a stake at them? I mean, you don't have – there's not really – other than the Blue Jackets, there's not really any reason for you to have a beef with the Pittsburgh Penguins. No, I'm a, I mean, I'm a Blue Jackets fan, and obviously I, you know, want them to win every time we play you guys, but my, my all-time favorite player besides Bobrovsky is Yager, so maybe maybe, I, maybe I'll get a second team in hockey just like I did in football this <laughs> week, Dave. Yeah, do you want to go into that? No, not really. It makes me <laughs> sick to my stomach, but Cleveland Browns released Odell Beckham for no fucking reason. And he went straight to L.A. to join Matt Stafford and the Rams. So we are, this is the Rams cast, baby. We love our Rams. <laughs> Hell yeah, baby. Let's go Rams. What's your Twitter username right now? Hef Curry, fan of the L.A. Rams? Yeah, some shit like that. <laughs> I'm going to change it back. I got to make it a turkey for Thanksgiving. Just a jive turkey. Yeah, so I'm always a fan of chaos when it doesn't involve my teams that I'm a fan of. So, I mean, I'm... I like seeing all the news with OBJ and everything other than the fact that in his first game for the Rams uh, yesterday, he had what, like 10 yards, 18 day 18. And yeah. first of all, he got to LA like two days ago. So he probably doesn't even know anybody's name yet, let alone the playbook. So that's on Sean McVay. Well, did you hear the story about how he got like recruited to the Rams? So it was just all over FaceTime. No. Yeah. Apparently um, they like, pulled him up on FaceTime in front of all like the wide receivers and they like told him just to come to LA and he was like, sure. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so I mean, with uh, Robert Woods is down now. Yeah. No, that happened the day after too. I know. Maybe. <laughs> do you think Odell did it or Odell's dad did it? But you're like a Nancy Kerrigan type of thing. <laughs> OBJ senior just uh, decided that he was going to blackmail him. <laughs> yeah. oh my god but yeah no it was an ugly game for the rams yesterday luckily they have a bye week this week for this for odell's sake so we could get more accustomed to the system there and i don't know who they're playing after that but i i look forward to seeing it so if just before we get into our respective teams if the rams don't make it to the super bowl at this point is this season a failure because they have made so many big signings this this year i mean probably von miller um Jalen Ramsey, that's technically last year, though. Odell Beckham now. Uh, Sonny Michelle. Yeah, I mean, that's a stacked team. Matt Stafford, they obviously traded for because, uh, you know, as a Browns fan, luckily we don't have to go against him this week. We have Jared Goff, but we'll get into some Lions talk for sure in a minute. Yeah, Jared. Yeah, 
I know Jared you have Goff a... is the d- destroyer of Pittsburgh right now, but yeah, um, J- Jared Goff is the next Blake Bortles. <laughs> um, and, and... but yeah, but just with me looking at the Rams, it's just how can you not have a huge run in the playoffs this year? If you don't, that would be just extremely embarrassing for that entire organization. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta listen to me here, man. I mean. You just have to look at SoFi Stadium, their beautiful new stadium that every single home game is like 80% away fans, you know, a huge fan base in Los Angeles for football. That's all sarcasm. Um, Well, that's the thing. Everybody in LA is still a Raiders fan. They don't care about the Chargers and Rams. Yeah, it's... Go back to San Diego, send (laughs) the Rams back to St. Louis. I have have the Lakers and nothing else. I have some strong feelings about uh, the NFL trying to push so many teams in LA and it it, kind of bugs me. Well, we're already on the subject. Let's get into it. No, it's just Los Angeles has not really been a big football city the past couple of years. And the NFL is just trying to tap into that huge market since LA is, you know, like the second biggest city in the freaking country. Yeah. And all, all like, dude, LA has more Steeler fans than they do freaking Chargers fans. Like, yeah. And I mean, that is who the Steelers are going to play this week. SoFi Stadium is going to be like 80% Steeler fans. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. LA is a Lakers town. You know, people in LA love the Lakers. They love the Dodgers. And if they even know that a fo- that football uh, is played professionally, they like the Raiders. <laughs> and of course, the Clippers and Angels are just whatever. The Raiders, someone needs to do a case study on the Raiders this year, dude. Because I don't know how you could go through all of this shit with that team and they're still kind of playing decently. Yeah, no. I wish this was the year that the Raiders had hard, hard knocks instead of the Antonio Brown year. I mean, don't get me wrong. They just got wrecked by the Chiefs. But, like, other than that, they're playing pretty decently despite all of this shit that has gone down with them. Yeah, they had shit. I mean, I think the Browns have a chaotic year, but the Raiders... This is why I'm mad, because the Raiders have way more shit going on, and they're actually not looking terrible. Browns fans just make stuff up <laughs> and you know, next thing we know. Oh, okay. I'm going to talk about this game, Dave. Can the I Brown, the Browns game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's jump into it. No disrespect to LA fans, by the way, we love the Lakers, but yes, I uh, actually am. I have liked the Lakers for a while. I won't lie. Yeah. And we know that's your guys' only team, but uh, <laughs> anyway, Bring back the Oakland Raiders. No, actually, do not. I'm sidetracking. I, I went to say that they're kind of trying to do the same thing with the Las Vegas, too, because they got the Golden Knights, the Raiders now, and now they're pushing for the Oakland A's to get moved to Vegas. So if I were, like, an Oakland sports fan, I would just absolutely hate the city of Las Vegas. <laughs> but Well, I bet you guys really hate the city of Boston after last weekend. Oh, my God. Okay, so... I'm going to start off with the positives because I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I look at the glass half full. Uh, Mac Jones, roll tide, looks better than Brady. So I just wish it was against one of the other 31 teams, but hey. Uh, and I made a list of all the Browns players who played well. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, sure. All right. Dearness Johnson. <laughs> Go on. No, that's the end of the list. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it was the worst game we've played all year, and that says a lot. Um, Baker looked bad. I'm a Baker defender, but he looked bad. The injury did not help either. No, and that's why shame on the training staff with the Cleveland Browns for saying, okay, look, you're clearly not 100% right now. You need to sit down at least at least against the Lions. Like Case Keenum could beat us, win the game against the Lions. 
Maybe. I don't know at this point. But, <laughs> yeah, Baker looks bad. The receivers looked bad. Oh, my God. Oh, Dave, remember when we got rid of Odell Beckham and we were not supposed to drop any more passes because, like, that was supposed to be the solution to all of our problems? Like, yeah. the defense is going to play better because Odell's not there. Yeah, you're receivers right. Receivers are going to play better because Odell's not there. Jarvis Landry was going to get more targets because Odell's not there. Your defense really went off allowing 45 points. Oh, my God. And don't get me wrong, Mac Jones. horrible. Mac horrible. Jones went off. Mac Jones went yeah. off, dude. Oh, yeah. No, I love Mac Jones, and I just wish it was against one of the other 31 teams, like <laughs> I said. But, uh, yeah, he's going to be a problem. And I don't know how he fell that low in the draft at this point. And who's back of the week? Brian Hoyer. Oh, yeah. He got some oh, yeah. snaps against you guys. Yeah, so did He I. got a touchdown, shit. Yeah, Colt McCoy got some snaps against us, too, this year. Oh, my God. It's just so, a revenge tour against the Browns to, really for this year. Next week, we, we got uh, Johnny Manziel. Then we got uh, <laughs> Cody Kessler. <laughs> um, fucking uh, is Josh McCown still in the league? Probably <laughs> RG3. Yeah, we, we go to him too. But god, man, we suck. This is bad. And DPJ Najoku's dropping stuff. Austin Hooper does not know how to turn forward when he rarely does catch footballs. And the defense is horrible. The, the line is atrocious, besides Miles, who had a very quiet game, besides one sack. Um, secondary doesn't exist. I miss right. Sendejo. <laughs> That's I'm, really I do. Something. I really miss Sendejo. He's much better than Harrison or John Johnson, and that says a lot. And cornerbacks, never heard of those. <laughs> oh, I, let's take that back. Uh, Jamie Gillen played a good game, our punter. Yeah, how many, how many punts do you have? Ten, probably. Oh, I don't know, man, but he, him and Dearness Johnson. I believe he had 19, 19 carries for 99 yards. So for a third string, you know, running back, that's solid. Who was also your leading receiver. Oh, my God. With 60 yards. Do you earnest? Yeah. Yeah. He, and he had the uh, most targets of our receivers, too. So it's not – I mean, Jarvis is there. People's Jones, who is my second favorite receiver on the Browns besides Jarvis at this point, <laughs> five targets, one reception. It's a, uh, I don't know if this is oh, a great. Oh, no. O- Odell Beckham was the problem, Dave. Excuse me. Sorry. So I don't know if this is a good comparison to make, but um, remember Juju's rookie year whenever he kind of went off because everyone was double teaming AB? Yeah. I feel like that's kind of happening with you now, now that OBJ is gone. Like, opposing defenses don't have to focus on OBJ, so... That's exactly the problem. Now yeah. they just have to... Oh, there's Landry. People's Jones. Okay, let's just cover them. Okay, now Baker cannot throw it to anyone else, so... Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Stefan Gilmore, just the first cornerback that came to my mind, is going to have a really tough time covering an Anthony Schwartz offense or <laughs> Harrison Bryant or Austin Hooper. They're unwatchable right now, Dave, and I don't know what to do because I I was thinking Super Bowl. I was think I was popping the champagne. We get rid of our best receiver because. Could you tell me why? Because did our defense play better? Did our offense play better? Because uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, dude. He was not catching too many passes. <laughs> hey, guess who else isn't catching any passes? <laughs> the rest of the fucking team. Literally the rest of our <laughs> roster. But oh my god. 
And we ate up like $4 million just to let him go. And now I have to sit there and watch them throw it to, or not throw it to Rashard Higgins, I should say. But yeah, no, life sucks as a Browns fan right now. <laughs> and it's not, it's not much better being a Steelers fan right now either. Oh, do you see the news today about uh, the whole controversy on Twitter with Jarvis Landry right now? What's happening with him? Uh, people, somebody questioned, oh, why aren't you getting as many targets? He's like, I don't know. And he didn't look too happy about it, obviously. And people are like, is Jarvis Landry unhappy with the situation right now? It's like, no. No, he... He yeah, was, I, I'm sure he's going to be very happy after getting a shit pumping 45 to seven last week. Yeah, and he's probably thrilled that he got five targets and they got rid of his best friend. Yeah, he's pro- he probably loves being in Cleveland right now. This is probably exactly what he wanted the season to be like. Like Browns fans, they're they're, they're a different breed, man. They need to. <laughs> oh my god. But we got uh, Detroit this week, and if we lose, uh, oh god. We better not lose, Dave. We better not lose. So I really wish I was able to watch some of this Browns-Patriots game, but the Steelers game was going on at the same time, so I didn't really see that much other than highlights. It uh, didn't look pretty. Highlights? What highlights? It was it was basically the Mac Jones show for highlights. Okay, I was about to say, what Browns highlights happened? Did... But I did have the Patriots defense and fantasy. Do you want so... me to? So me yeah, too. <laughs> I, I, had, I had their defense. Actually, my do my fantasy team went off this week. Real quick, uh, side rant. I have uh, Stevenson. I had him filling in since uh, Hunt's out. Stevenson went off for 100 yards, two touchdowns. There you go. Um, who else did I freaking have? I have uh, Jacoby Myers also had a touchdown, 50 yards. So yeah. Oh yeah, my, I'm a, dude, I'm aware. I'm my aware. fantasy team was co- like completely carried by the Patriots this this week, and I'm completely okay with that. I'm not. It sucks. I hate, I hate, I hate the Browns, dude. Cavs are back, but Mobley's hurt. Steelers are gone. Yeah, dude. What happened to your Steelers? So, yep. The Steelers uh, had a home game against the Detroit Lions. Oh, and eight, you know, <laughs> should, should be a pretty easy win. I was expecting it to be close because, you know, the Steelers can never have an easy win. Um, it went to overtime and we tied them 16 to 16. Well, Ben Roethlisberger didn't play, and instead you had uh, that guy out on the field, and he didn't yeah. look good. So, I mean, shout out to Big Ben. He reported himself in for having COVID symptoms the night before the game and uh, ended up testing positive. So, unfortunate situation. Props to him to stepping up for it. But, yeah, we had to start the Mason Rudolph. Oh, my God. Who threw it for 50 times, 50 attempts, by the way. We have Najee Harris, and Mason Rudolph is throwing the ball 50 damn times. Um, It was ugly, man. Weather was terrible. Field conditions sucked. Um, We had our opening drive, went right down the field. Mason Rudolph to James Washington, easy touchdown. After that, the game just went to shit. Oh, oh my God. God, it, it was atrocious, dude. Dude, Firemouth has good hands, though. At least he uh, held that ball, and it was nice and secure. No team deserved to win this game, man. There were like four turnovers in overtime. We fumbled the ball twice in overtime whenever we were driving to get a game-winning field goal or a touchdown. You guys are really just competing to lose because, I mean, even Detroit's kicker missed an easy chip shot. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Lions, like, have had a couple, like, close games where they were just, like, a field goal away from winning it. Yeah, they almost beat Baltimore. Yeah, they were really close to beating Baltimore. But, like, when it comes down to it, they're 0-8. And I mean, if I'm a Lions fan, I don't know if I would rather be 08 and one or 0 and nine. I feel like that's kind of torture. 
I don't know. I mean, going back <laughs> to the 0-16 Brown season, I think I'd be I'd be a little more okay with 0-15 and 1. <laughs> yeah. It's just... I don't, I, I, we, we talked about this earlier in the podcast. Not this episode, but uh, Dave was yelling at me because I don't understand how they tie in soccer. So I don't know how to react to ties, <laughs> especially... I mean, you're a Steelers fan. It happened to you twice in like the past five years. Yeah, I think we... I don't know the stats on us. We're probably leading the league in ties in the past three seasons. No, easily. Because we did tie you guys back in what, like 2018 or whatever. Yeah. With a Tyrod Taylor. So do you want to hear some stats from the Detroit lions? No. Well, I'm going to say them anyways, going into overtime, Jared Goff had like 55 yards, the entire game going in overtime, 55 yards because um, they ran the ball for, like 230 freaking yards against us. DeAndre Swift, 130 yards, dude. Oh my God. We made him look like freaking Barry Sanders out there. Our defense couldn't even stop him. Yeah. Um, dude, I just, they ran the ball all over us. Jared Goff didn't even need to freaking throw it. Is Jamal um, Williams even playing for them? Uh, I'm looking at the stats right now. He's not pulled up on it. Oh, weird. I wonder where he is. Maybe he has an injury or some shit. I don't know. He plays for the Lions. Yeah, of course. He, he misses second straight practice five days ago. He might have been out. Yeah, it doesn't um, seem he was injured of some in some capacity. It was, dude. I, I don't know. I don't watch football. We made the Lions running game just look angelic out there, to put it <laughs> lightly. They were, dude, they were insane running against us. Our offense outside of the first quarter could not do shit. I mean, yeah. Najee Harris did have a hundred yards. There was one dude. There was one freaking drive where we were on the five yard line, first and goal on the five yard line. We passed it three times in a row. Why not just run it with Najee? We he is our freaking hammer on defense or on offense yeah. rather, and he wasn't even out there for I think one or two of those plays. Yeah, so, DC, DC after the game, he said, "I didn't even know you could tie in the NFL." Yeah, that's actually kind of funny. <laughs> I think that's pretty funny. I won't lie. But what's not funny is what happened to TJ Watt. Yeah, TJ Watt, uh, he had a sack. And like in the process of doing that, he like collided with one of our other players and like messed up his hip pretty bad. I thought I thought he like actually it looked like his knee was like just out. It looked like he tore his ACL. I was freaking oh. out. Apparently, it's just a minor hip injury and he should just be out for a week or two. So it's not. Oh, the end, oh yeah. It's not the end of the world. Oh, this it's is not. news to me. But there are like t- COVID is running rampant through the Steelers right now. So that's just yeah. wonderful. Mika Fitzpatrick tested positive yesterday. Uh, Big Ben, he should be back this week. because I think you just have to have two negative tests. Um. Yeah, and if he well, is that ten days? I think that's like eight days, right? It, it depends on if you're vaccinated or not. I'm pretty sure most of our oh. team. I th- I'm pretty sure Ben is. So well, Aaron Rodgers isn't. Hey, he'll, it, it, he'll let you know about it. It's it's okay, man. He takes vitamin D pills. Um, yeah, no, I'm just happy that uh, we don't have to watch Kyrie Irving throw touchdowns to Odell Beckham. <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to pull up the the people the people on the Steelers that are missing practice right now. Dude, we're missing like 10 people. It's insane. Yeah. Like 10 starters. It well, is Minka's really huge. bad. That's huge. Oh, Minka is huge. And T- without TJ, um, how's Schobert doing for you guys after, you know, Schobert you put, played, balled Schobert, out against us? Dude, Schobert was actually one of the positives for us last week. 
like yeah, he, no. he he's pretty he's pretty good he um i'm pretty i'm pretty happy with that signing as of right now yeah no i remember getting the notification that he signed with pittsburgh and i'm just like shit <laughs> because that is underrated uh, it was a really like low-key sneaky signing that was really good for us speaking of sneaky signings i don't have much to say about it but the pittsburgh pirates just signed greg allen so indians legend yeah, fun with him. i forgot about that um, but, um so i have the injury report up right now Ben Roethlisberger's out, COVID. Chase Claypool is questionable for this week. Mink Fitzpatrick is out with COVID. TJ Watts out this week. Uh, Kevin Dotson, uh, one of our starting guards, is questionable for this week with a high ankle sprain, so he's probably out. Uh, Joe Hayden, questionable. So basically, we have no secondary package right now. Right. Um, it's it's bad. We're missing a lot of starters, and now with Minka testing positive, who knows if anyone else will test positive in the coming days? Yeah. Especially he, when, whenever Minka was out there, like in the huddle with his own defense. So, God knows what's about to happen this week because we're going up against the Chargers. Yeah, I was about to say we we know how what that's like, and it's not fun, even if you're healthy. Justin Herbert, and um, it would be the most Pittsburgh Steeler thing to play one of the most complete games against the Chargers this week with almost everyone out. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I really like the Chargers this year. Um, I think I don't know. I think they're five and four or something like that. Yeah, I think but we're driving for. They're not easy. Um, oh, they're they're a good team. They're they're yeah. definitely a good team. Yeah, and Brandon Staley, I think, is going to be a great coach for them for several years. Obviously, they have you know the receivers, the running backs, the defense is solid. And, and Herbert, with, I was going to say with a quarterback like Herbert going against um, a defense without Minka Fitzpatrick and maybe no Joe Hayden, that's a it's kind of a recipe for disaster. So who knows? Imagine being the Bengals and not drafting. Justin Herbert <laughs> morons. Yeah, it's a, uh, I don't know, man, that, that game, no one does. I, I was so pissed off with the team. I felt like we, we could have just lost it. And I would have been more content than just tying that freaking game. If we would have won it, we would have been first place in the division, but no, you know, the Steelers have to make things difficult and tie the goddamn Detroit Lions. Yeah. They made my life difficult too, because I was making a graphic for work of like the AFC North, you know, like how many games behind? I'm like, how the hell do I calculate a tie? So yeah, I don't even know how to calculate ties. And as the Pittsburgh Steelers go into like their difficult stretch of games in December, that tie is going to bite us in the ass unless we could pull off some good wins. Yeah, no, it is. We are, Dave and I are not having good, a good time watching football right now. We're not. We're no. really not. Um, do you have anything else to say about the Steelers? Because I really don't want to talk about the Browns at all. Um, I don't know, man. It's the team's kind of in shambles in terms of injuries right now. I uh, yeah. not looking forward to this game against the Chargers. I'm doing it wrong. Gonna tune in. Gonna lose my voice screaming. But I'm focused. Uh, I'm just I'm focused on another football game this weekend that we'll get into. Oh yeah, we got the Pitt University <laughs> football game this weekend. Dave and I are both going. We're going to have a big segment to end it all out. But up next, we got Chandler Rome, who's a Houston Astros beat writer for the Houston Chronicle. And that happens right now. All right, everybody, welcome back to the I-76 podcast. I'm Dave with Spencer, as always. And today we have a very special guest. He is a beat writer for the Houston Chronicle for the Astros. Chandler Rome, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. All right, before we get into it, we're... Cleveland Pittsburgh based podcast. So tell the people a little bit about yourself and what kind of you do with the Astros and the Houston Chronicle. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm the, I'm the beat writer. Uh, I've covered them since the beginning of the t- 2018 season. So um, part of being the beat writer is, you know, you're there from day one and day one in spring training. So you know, from February 13th or whenever the uh, pitchers and catchers report until, you know, in this case, Game Six of the World Series. Um, I'm there every day, and it's a grind. It's a lot, but um, you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Absolutely. Uh, and before we get into baseball talk, uh, on your Twitter, your header is a picture of you and Nick Saban, and I'm a huge Alabama fan. So could you kind of give uh, the backstory of that a little bit? Yeah, so before I got this job, I, I covered uh, Alabama for a newspaper in Anniston, but I actually lived in Tuscaloosa. So um, I the year I covered was the year that they won the national championship on the Tua to Devontae Smith walk-off pass which was, that's still, I've covered game seven of the World Series. I've covered game six of the World. I've covered two World Series, and that's still, and that walk-off night uh, at the National Championship is still the craziest night of my career. Um, yeah, so um, as part of, I guess, it's an honor if you get asked to, like, Saban has a media guest for his radio show every week, and I was a media guest for one week uh, when we were on the, when he was doing his radio show. So somebody took that picture, and, um, it's kind of timeless. I'll probably never change my header. I don't think I can get one as good as that. <laughs> no. And I mean, as a Bama fan, I remember that too, uh, pass as well. And I still get chills thinking about it to this day. So I can't imagine what it was like to be there and cover that. So that's insane. Yeah. Imagine writing that on deadline. Imagine, <laughs> having, imagine, imagine having to get a story in on that. Like the minute the game ends, that was, oh that, was that was a little difficult. No, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's get into baseball. And uh, real quick, when we're going to address the elephant in the room uh, with the Houston Astros cheating scandal from 2017, obviously we know how that's perceived outside of Houston, but in the area, in the market, how do fans view that? Like, do they kind of embrace that role or is it kind of like a stain on the organization? That's kind of the problem is that they're not embracing it. Um, they kind of just try to say everyone else was doing it and try to like absolve the Astros of any wrongdoing, which is probably not the way to go. Um, I mean, they cheated. Um, it, it's not, uh, I mean, you can't really deny it that, you know, they, they cheated, they got caught. Were they doing things that other teams were doing? I, I don't know if other teams are banging trash cans, but I think we, we do know now that other teams were using means to electronically decode signs. Um, The Astros just um, in an effort to keep up with the Joneses, I think the Astros became the Joneses. They, they crossed a line that you can't cross. And um, you know, for me, and I say this just about every podcast, every hit I do, um, I I, I can't for a organization that is so cutting edge and so technologically said, and they're always on the cutting edge of analytics and technology and all that. They, they couldn't come up with a better way to transmit the signs than banging on a trash can. Like it, it's, it's one of like my biggest questions of like, how could they not come up with like a less, a more discreet way to do this? Right. Um, but as far as the fans go, I mean, it's a tiresome bunch to deal with Astros fans. I'm sure if you've been on Twitter and you've encountered them, it's, it's not a pleasant experience. Um, you know, there it's a lot of whataboutism. It's a lot of trying to point fingers and a lot of trying to absolve kind of what they did when, you know, look, if I was a fan of this team, I'd probably say, you know what? Yeah, we cheated. We, we banged the trash cans, you know, they're not taking my ring. They're not taking my trophy flags, five flags fly forever and let's go. But that's not the way the Astros fans are uh, proceeding. 
Right. And I mean, to that point, when you think about it, I mean, every team kind of, to an extent has a form of cheating. Like, for example, with the Indians this year, James Karinchek got caught with using substances and immediately his spin rate went down. His, he went to AAA. So, I mean, every with, with, with a situation like um, the foreign substances on the balls, like every team does that. So I just don't know where Manfred dry, draws the line in terms of what's okay and what's not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think part of it, too, is, you know, Manfred, you know, let this get out of control. They knew that teams were electronically stealing signs, and they let it get out of control. And instead of nipping it in the bud when they should have, they kind of let things slide. And and now you see, like, they actually have taken means to, like, stop it, right? Like, the same thing with the foreign substance check. Like, they let sticky stuff get out of control, and all of a sudden, Justin Verlander is striking out 300 guys at age 38, and Garrett Cole is having these unbelievable – and, like – like hitters aren't that good. Like they can't hit pitchers. They can't hit really good pitchers that get more help. Right. So it created less offense in the game and they had to take drastic measures to curtail it. Just like they had to do with sign stealing. Now, you know, now you see there's no TV in the dugout or in the clubhouse that's on live. It's they all have to be on a delay. There's video monitors in every clubhouse that like their job is to monitor the video room and report anything suspicious to MLB. Like they've taken all these measures. It just, it just came way too late. And the Astros, um, you know, the one thing I maybe will not side with Astros fans about, but the one thing I, I probably would tend to sort of agree with is like, yeah, the Astros were probably the, uh, they were going to be the example. They were going to be made an example of, and, um, now I think it's up to teams. Like, are you okay with losing your first and second round draft pick? Are you okay with paying a $5 million fine, which to any owner in baseball is absolutely nothing. Right. Are, are you okay with, you know, maybe your manager and your GM getting suspended? Um, obviously, you know, the Red Sox went back and hired the guy that got suspended. So nothing's stopping them from going back and hiring. Um, so, I mean, I, I guess it's up to every team what they want to do, but, um, the Astros again, they, they, they crossed the line that they, they couldn't cross and they're, and they're paying. For it. Right. But, um, and earlier today, uh, it came out that Kevin Cash won manager in the AL of the year. And, uh, I'm a big fan of Dusty Baker. I'm not going to lie. And I'm happy to see him doing well there. And, you know, he really got to lead a resi- resilient, uh, team, especially when they're going at so much scrutiny in other, you know, stadiums and shit. And so what, so what do you guys, uh, you, you guys are all on the Dusty train. You don't want Hinchback or Cora. Like, Dusty's your guy for the time being, right? Well, um, it would have looked very uh, odd to fire Dusty after they won a pennant. Um, so they were kind of in a – they were kind of in a situation where they had to bring it back, right? Um, you know, I think it is worth noting that the GM, James Click, didn't hire Dusty. Uh, owner Jim Crane hired Dusty and then hired Click. So – there was a thought out there that, you know, if the Astros um, didn't make the playoffs or maybe they lost in the first round of the playoffs, maybe they could have found a way to, you know, tastefully get Dusty out and, and click hire his own guy. But once they won the pennant, I, I think it became pretty clear that, that, you know, you can't fire a guy after he just won the pennant. And look, Dusty, it wasn't Dusty's fault they lost the World Series. They just didn't hit. Um, right. Um, that's not Dusty's fault. I thought actually, quite frankly, from a managerial tactical perspective, I thought he had a pretty good series just with the moves he made, things he did. Um, 
You know, I, I'm not sure though. You know, the 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 pairing of Click and Dusty has been interesting. Um, they have contrasted each other on the record pretty uh, a couple of times. You know, Dusty, the day that James Click traded his starting center fielder Miles Straw for Phil Maton to to Cleveland, um, Dusty didn't agree with that, and Dusty didn't try to sugarcoat it either um, that, that he didn't agree with that. But, you know, I, I think Dusty did realize toward the end when Phil Maton was probably this team's best reliever in the playoffs, I, I think he realized that, yeah, you know, that's something we needed to bolster the bullpen and we had enough center field depth to, to overcome Straw's absence. So um, it's definitely a different blend of old school and new school, you know, Click coming from the Rays and Dusty being who he is. But uh, I think the biggest thing you have to give Dusty credit for, um, and look, he's loved by everyone, but I think the one thing that maybe I don't appreciate as much, and I didn't until I talked to people kind of during the season and into the off season, you know, Dusty came into a clubhouse that already had a culture kind of entrenched, you know, they have leaders, they had Altuve, Correa, Bregman, guys that had been there forever. And that core had really established a culture. Probably the best thing Dusty did was come in and not do anything. Like let them be like, don't try to like, impart your own stuff like he got the keys to a ferrari and he didn't try to like take it back for a, a lamborghini like he he kept the culture how it was and he let these guys be themselves and i think that was probably the biggest thing that's why they like him so much is that you know for lack of a better word you know they, they don't really have to deal with dusty much i mean he's around and i mean he communicates with them and he tells great stories and all but like he lets them be them and he lets them do their own thing, do their routine. And that, that doesn't really, um, that's not really what a lot of people talk about when it comes to Dusty, but I think that's his biggest, uh, that's his biggest um, success story with the Astros. No, that's a really, that's a really good point. I never thought of it like that. You know, when you think of other coaches, I know this is a horrible example because it's, it's a different sport, but I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. Uh, unfortunately. And uh, when we brought Freddie kitchens in, you change, want to change the whole culture uh, trade for his guys, even though, you know, the, this t- the team was already established by a different, you know, front office, but no, I, I appreciate that, uh, Dusty on, on your behalf, that Dusty's kind of, you know, laid back with your team and lets them do you know, kind of uh, lets them do what they need to do to, in order to be a successful team. You know, um, I think he, yeah, he lets them, like I said, he, he lets them be them. He lets these guys, um, you know, if they don't want to take batting practice on the field, like he doesn't make, like we're seeing that, that trend now where guys don't take BP on the field anymore. Um, We're seeing, you know, he's, he's good enough with the new age analytics. Um, He's good enough to where like he, uh, he subscribes now to the third time order, third time through the order theory. Um, He's good on platoon split. Like he, he gets enough of the analytics now. He's never going to drop, come in and talk about FIP and war and WOBA and all this stuff, but he's good enough with everything that he does blend pretty well with the Astros. And, and look, some teams in some situations do require gut feels. And a lot of Dusty's gut feels have worked um, with the Astros. They're probably not written about much, but like they have worked. So there is a place for that. So uh, you mentioned the World Series. It's been a couple of weeks now and uh, the organization has kind of had some time to take it in um what's the what's kind of the reaction from the fan base now because i feel like this was kind of the year where uh like astros fans were kind of ready to get back at the league after everything that's happened the past couple of years and it's just a pretty disappointing loss going into that 
Yeah, I, I was not expecting that. Um, but I also didn't watch much NL East baseball all year. So I'll be the first person to tell you that I didn't watch the Braves much all year. Um, I thought the Astros would hit. Um, I, I thought they'd, they'd be behind the eight ball a little bit after McCullers got hurt um, in the ALDS and kind of going in without an ace. Um, but I thought when Morton broke his leg in game one, I, I thought they, they had a clear advantage. But, uh, I mean, they just didn't hit. Um, right. it, it was very surprising to me that – I mean, it was very surprising to me that their left-handed hitters didn't hit because the Braves have a lot of lefties in their bullpen, obviously Will Smith, Matzig. I mean, guys like that, they, they really neutralized them. And the Astros killed lefties in the regular season. And when you go back and look, Alvarez and Tucker, uh, two of their big lefty bats, were two of the best left-on-left hitters in baseball. And, and, I mean, the Braves just absolutely bullied Jordan Alvarez. I mean, he had an awful World Series. Alex Bregman was playing hurt, had a pretty bad World Series. You can – probably the one place you could disagree with Dusty Baker is that he batted Bregman third for as long as he did, knowing that Bregman was hurt. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's what it came down to. They just didn't hit. Um, they were running out of pitching staff with two capable starters by that point because Fromber Valdez had imploded. McCullers was hurt. Grinky is a shell of himself. So, I mean, they, uh, they, their rotation was Jose Urquidy and Luis Garcia. And their bullpen pitched well enough to, to really keep them in that. And, I mean, I'll go back to Phil Maton, Ryan Stanek, Ryan Presley. I mean, guys really came in and pitched well. Um, just it was I did not expect the offense to be the reason this team lost because the way they hit in Boston and the way they hit the White Sox, the White Sox, they just abused the White Sox and they had the best pitching staff in the American League all year. So I really thought they'd hit. And that was surprising to me that they did. Yeah. And I mean, when you think about game six and Max Fried went out there and just lit up your offense. I mean, he was throwing inside to people who couldn't who wouldn't swing inside, throwing outside to people who wouldn't swing outside. Uh, Michael Brantley, I think, is one of the only um, – I'm saying this as an Indian slash Guardians fan, so bear with me. But uh, he, I, I feel like he carried your offense for at least part of, part of the series. Yeah, um, I think – and that's kind of the problem. Um, you know, as a Guardians fan, watching Michael Brantley for as long as you did, he's one of – he's a, such a smooth hitter, and he's oh, so easily. consistent. I mean, he could roll out of bed probably at age 50 and hit 300 if he wanted to. But it's a lot of singles. Like, there's not much power there. Uh, he'll run into a ball every now and then and get a double in the gap. He doesn't have a ton of speed. He's not going to turn anything. Um, and when that guy is carrying your offense, like, you need complementary pieces to be able to put the ball in the gap, extra bases, drive them home. Um, I, I think the most telling part of the World Series, the Braves hit 11 home runs in the World Series. The Astros had 10 extra base hits in the whole World Series. Oh so, I mean, when Brantley, again, like – Brantley, I, I don't mean this to demean Michael Brantley in any way. He's a fantastic hitter. But when he is the guy carrying your offense, you're going to need the Correas and the Alvarezes and the Tuckers and the Altuves and the Bregmans of the world to put a ball in the gap and drive them home and keep the inning going. And that just that didn't end up happening. Right. And um, now moving on to the Astros offseason, it was funny because I sent Dave a, a tweet saying Verlander and Correa both declined their options. And Twitter lost their minds about both of those guys for about 20 minutes. And then next thing you know, Ben Verlander, his brother says, yeah, he's resigning with Houston. So uh, how um, I know he's up there in age. Um, he, he's still throwing filthy pitches. So how are Astros fans reacting to that? Did you want him back? Did you think you paid enough for him or how is that viewed by yourself? 
Well, I mean, I think you got to remember, I'm not a fan, so I just kind of view it from an objective prism. Um, I thought there was always a chance because Verlander and Asher's owner, Jim Crane, are very close. Um, they're very, very close. And I always kind of knew – once I saw what Syndergaard got from the Angels, I knew he was going to reject the qualifying offer because he knew he was going to get more than 18-4 somewhere if Syndergaard got 21. Um, I'm a little surprised how much they're paying him. Um, I get it. He's Justin Verlander. and He's a Hall of Famer, and he is who he is, but he's still going to be 39 years old just off of Tommy John surgery. And to right. pay him $25 million with a player option that's also worth $25 million. So basically, like, he's not going to turn on the player option. You're guaranteeing this guy two years and $50 million just off of Tommy John surgery at 39 years old. I mean, that is a – it's a big risk. Now, the Astros were probably more privy to Verlander's, like, health updates and how he was doing more than any other team just because like he was on their payroll so I, I think they're betting on that he is healthy and they're just going to bet on that this is Justin Verlander like he's defied age now for four or five years he's been dominant at 36 and 37 um, they're hoping that they can kind of they're, they're 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 banking on that and, and they're putting a, a ton of risk in it but it's a risk certainly that I didn't see them taking I thought there was a chance he would be back. I, I didn't think it would be for this much money. I thought, to be honest with you, he would take the qualifying offer. And then when he threw the bullpen at Cressy and everybody started going crazy about how good he looked, that kind of told me he wasn't going to take the qualifying offer. And then when it was $25 million, I, I think that's a little much. Right. And it, it seems pretty clear that uh, Correa, kind of, or Correa is going elsewhere. Um, where do you see him going? Because my biggest fear is that he's going to go to uh, Detroit, which is in our division, which I do not want. Um I saw New York as an option. Um, so what, what do you think is going to go on with him? It'd be interesting. I think the two teams you just mentioned, Detroit and, uh, and New York, are, are those to me are the two, like, no, no brainers. Like Detroit, they need that so badly. And they are not afraid to give the sort of deal that Correa wants. You know, I mean, they've got Miggy now in the last two years of that contract. That aged awfully. But, I mean, Correa, it's not – I mean, I don't know how many more times I can report it and write it and say it like he wants Lindor money. This is not like this is not this thing. Where, oh, maybe he'll take seven. Maybe he'll take it. No, he wants 10 for three something. He wants right. he, he puts himself on par with Lindor. That's what he wants. And it makes um, sense because, I mean, obviously, he's a better player. Yeah, he's, he's a, better a much player. better player. And I look at the Lindor numbers this year. He was terrible. And um, he was terrible in New York this year with him and Baez very disappointing. So if Lindor is making that money and Correa sees that he's definitely going to want more from a different team and Detroit proved it with uh, Cabrera. Like you said, like the owner's willing to reach in his own pocket for that. Yeah. I mean, but you also have to wonder how much that of the Miggy deal. Now they, they look at it. They're like, man, do we want this? And do we want this same situation eight, nine years down the road? Now Correa is only 27. So and he's going to age off of shortstop. Like, he won't be a shortstop in the eighth, ninth, and tenth year of this deal, obviously. But um, I think when, if and when the Astros do lose Correa, the, it is going to hurt them so much more off the field. And I think that's where, like, I think that's where, like, Detroit could use him. Like, he is unquestioned the leader of this team, the Astros. Like, he is the glue keeping this thing together. He is the captain of the infield. I mean, he is, he is pro like, like I know we talk about like team leaders and he's like the guy, but like 
there's just an aura and a presence about him that is just different than any other person I've ever been around. And I think putting that in a team that's either on the come up, like on the cusp of being ready to win, like the Tigers, or putting that on just a complete rebuild. Like if he went to the Rangers, like I think he'd be the reason that guys came out, fans came out, that guys would like be, would keep like their energy going all, all season. I don't know if Correa wants to lose. So I don't know if he'd want to go to the Rangers and lose for two or three years before they get good, but they've certainly got the payroll flexibility to pay him whatever he wants. Um, so, I mean, and then I've kind of thought in recent days, you know, the Dodgers don't need him, but they didn't need Trevor Bauer either. Ugh. Now, obviously that deal went, that that for reasons that we don't need to talk about yeah. that, te- that deal that deal that went straight awful, to but like but like remember when they signed him just from a pure baseball standpoint like when they signed him like you thought they don't need him like they've got Kershaw and Urias and May and like Bueller and then they signed him and it's like when I start to think about the Dodgers it's like well Seager's not coming back Justin Turner's getting old Max Muncy was hurt at the end of the year you don't know what he's going to end up being Trey Turner, you could probably leave him at second. Like, they're losing Chris Taylor, probably. So it's like, he would make sense there, too, and they give big, long deals. I don't know if the fans would love it, but um, <laughs> he makes sense. I mean, I'm telling you, he makes sense there. So Yeah. No, those are all real, real possibilities, and I'm scared of all of them. <laughs> Where do you want him to go? As far away from the ALE, uh, as far away from the Central as possible? Oh, hell yeah. I do not want to face him in Detroit, you know, him and Badu and Miggy and uh no, I don't want that at all. <laughs> Miggy's Miggy's like 55. I don't think I know. I know just the first guy that came to my head. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they're they're on the rise, uh the Tigers, and I don't like it at all. So that's the last thing I need is him to go there. Yeah, AJ's got the tiger. Like, I mean, that's the Correa is going to be like if he goes to Detroit, that's great. But like AJ is the best man in baseball, in my opinion. Um, he I, he should have probably won Manager of the Year. I understand why Cash won it, and Service had a harder luck. Like the fact that AJ managed that roster to what he did, and I mean, I get the division was bad, but like that team, that and especially in the second half when they were monitoring my Scooble and Manning's innings. To manage that team to where he did is nothing short of remarkable. Right, and I think you know if he gets Correa in there, Ugh. I think I think they should watch out because that could be. I'm not saying they're going to be like an Astros dynasty or anything, but like they're like AJ is AJ is as good of a manager as there is in baseball, and I think if you surround him with elite players, it, it's going to it's going to end well. Right. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, what. Are there any like other specific moves that the Astros do need to make with that starting lineup right now? Well, they're going to need a shortstop if Correa leaves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so they that that is the thing. They do return eight of their nine starters from last year, minus Correa. Um, Jake Myers, their center fielder, tore his labrum in the ALDS in his shoulder. He had surgery uh, this winter, so they'll probably have to go in the outfield market just to get a guy until he's ready. Uh, he probably won't play at the start of the season, but they've got Chaz McCormick on the roster already who they can play in center field. They may move Kyle Tucker to center um, and play him there for a little bit. Um, I think they're going to prioritize bullpen help. Uh, I think they're going to, they're obviously going to need a shortstop. Um, I would be interested to see, especially with Verlander re-signing today, 
I think it'd be interesting to see if they tr- – because they, they're going to now enter the season with seven capable starters. Uh, plus, their top pitching prospect, Hunter Brown, is at AAA and pretty much ready to come up. So, like, if you count him, they've got, like, eight guys. So, if they're going to make a trade, uh, I could see them trading from that surplus, maybe trade a guy um, to swing to either backfill shortstop or get an outfielder or reliever or something. So, um, that I, I think – I think they're probably done making like huge moves. Cause like, this is not a team that does a ton in free agency. I think Verlander's probably going to be it. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see them with a one-year deal for a reliever, one-year deal with an outfielder, or they go on the trade market and take advantage of that starting surplus. Right. All right. Uh, that is Chandler Rome from the Houston Chronicle. Uh, do you have anything to say to the people before we let you go? Uh, sorry, sorry about the Browns. Uh, are they good? Now? Are they good now though? No, they're they're a disaster. They're a dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> Baker, so, Mayfield, ba- Baker Mayfield's got swag though. So hey, that's true. He, he has that beard. That's all you need in a winning quarterback, man. Absolutely. Well, I went to, I went I went to LSU, so I do I did keep somewhat of an eye on the Browns because they had OBJ and Jarvis for as long as they did. But right. now now Odell is back being a diva somewhere else. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, Chandler Rome, thank you for joining the show. We know you're busy tonight and we really appreciate it. And I know this is probably the the, the show with the highest standards you've ever been a part of. And uh <laughs> we appreciate it and you're welcome on anytime. All right. Thanks, guys. Right, thanks, thank man. You. All right. Once again, big thank you to Chandler Rome. That was really good. Um, yeah, I'm, I wanted to be baseball season already, and he made me hate the Astros less. And I think that's a win for, <laughs> I wouldn't say America, but for Houston at least. Uh, it's it's yeah, I, I hear you. But uh, no, it was great to have him on the show, and you're welcome back anytime. Um, big weekend for Dave and I this weekend. Uh, Huge freaking weekend coming up. We're going to the Pitt football game on Saturday. Before that, Friday's Dave's birthday, and he turns 25? Yes, you got it. Oh, okay, good. That's <laughs> yeah, good because I'm, I, I'm an old man. Yeah, I was doing research to look up, like, this historical significance of, like, things associated with the number 25, and there's, like, nothing, so. Yeah. Just when, like, uh, once you turn 21, you're, just those next couple of years after that, your birthday is just like, oh, okay. No, wait, I take that back because, you know, when you're 22, people say it's your Taylor Swift year, then your LeBron year, then your Kobe year. You're you know, in your Mark fun. Price year. I'm in my t- SpongeBob, you know, what's funnier than 24 year. <laughs> there you go. Um, Yeah, I mean, I could rent a car now. That's cool. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah. For... Oh, uh, Mark McGuire or 25, I think. Hey. All right. Yeah. N- I mean, never took any steroids. Never. Confirmed. No. That's a fact. On jaw. So, yeah, this past week, um, Pitt had a Thursday night game against the University of North Carolina, came off with an OT win. We are currently number one in the ACC Coastal, and this weekend we will be going against the University of Virginia, number Ooh. two. So if we win this, we win the division, we, go, we get a berth in the ACC championship game. Pretty exciting. It is also uh, Pitt's last home game of the year. We get to see freaking... Kenny Pickett's last home game for the Pittsburgh Panthers. So that's that's something. It's going to be a senior night. Oh, I was about to say, he's not going to come back as a fifth year? He is a fifth year right now. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. But, yeah, no, we're going to see the boy, Kenny Pickett. We're his biggest fans, obviously. He also, this past week, sorry, he um, is now the leading uh, leading player with, like, all-time yards for the pit. So that's pretty cool, I guess. Dave, I'm going to say something for your birthday. So. 
just for your birthday. I'm going to say it once. You can have the audio for it. I'm not going to say it again. I'm cheering for Kenny Pickett to win the Heisman. Hey, yeah, I, I mean. Right. I, I love you, Bryce Young. Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to say it. Again. Okay. I don't. Never, delete that. that. Delete that shit. That's the best birthday gift I could have ever gotten. <sighs> okay. Other than, than, other than shotgunning an icy light outside of Heinz Field, that's the best birthday gift I could ever get. No, I'm going to shotgun warm milk. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. So I don't. Yeah. With Kenny Pickett, I mean, I've said this a couple of weeks ago. I don't expect him to win. I would just want him to be in that final five that gets invited to New York City. I feel like that'd be pretty cool for Pitt. Oh, he's better than Stroud. Yeah. He, uh, he's, dude, his, I need to pull up his stats real quick. He is still going off. His performances have not dropped off whatsoever. He is putting up video game numbers right now, and he's probably the best Pitt quarterback since Marino. He is. And the crazy thing is, like, I, uh, okay, uh, the crazy thing is I have a stats pulled up right now. Okay. Uh, 32 touchdowns, which is fourth in all of college football, or in FBS, FCS, whatever the frick it is. Sure. Um, 32 he touchdowns. He, he said whatever the frick it is. <laughs> oh, wait, can I can I tell the people what you texted me this week? Dave texted me, oh, dear. In regards to what? I don't remember, but you, that was just your reaction to something oh, I said. I think it was something about the Browns. I just responded to it with, like, oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, Pickett, 32 touchdowns, four interceptions. Uh, QBR of 84, which is – this is the ESPN QBR rating. I don't know how that translates to, the co- like, normal college one. but Right. So, fifth overall in yards, fourth in touchdowns, sixth overall in QBR. He has a really good chance of being invited to uh, the Heisman presentation. Let's really it, good baby. chance. Come on, Kenny. <laughs> Let's go. I haven't loved a Kenny so much as an athlete since Kenny Lofton. <laughs> and um, yeah, with a win this weekend and another one against Syracuse to close out the season, Pitt has a really good chance at uh, getting put in a pretty decent bowl game in December or maybe early January. Yeah, and, and don't ask us to, you know, put together the rankings or the college football playoffs and brackets or not because we are not nerds. Okay. <laughs> we enjoy watching football, but we're going to leave that for the stat nerds like you people. I just do it for the love of the game, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll make our own bracket. And no, they, they actually just dropped the playoff rankings. I think like an hour or two ago and everyone's losing their shit over it. Oh, holy shit. What is it? Uh, Cincinnati's still not in the top four. So everyone's going to talk about it. I that don't know. Cincinnati should absolutely be in the top four. It's, um, Georgia, Bama, Oregon, and Ohio State. I don't it's think so or- boring. Oregon, Oregon should not be in that. I want to no. see. I want to see. Ohio State if- shouldn't be in it either. And honestly, Bama probably shouldn't be either. But I don't know. Who knows? Because it's going to end up being Georgia and Bama in the SEC championship game. So who knows if Alabama would drop to two losses if they would end up losing to Georgia? Who knows what that would do? I don't think Oregon should be in it. Yeah. When we do that episode of the SEC championship game, it'll just be me having a panic attack behind <laughs> the microphone for an hour. <laughs> you know what'd be crazy to see is an Ohio State Cincinnati college playoff game. That'd be nuts. I would love to see that. Now I'd love Cincinnati to just obliterate them. Like <laughs> I, I know I sound like I hate Ohio State on the podcast. I really don't. But I'm sick of seeing the same teams every year. Hey, you gotta have some respect for Cincinnati fans, man. They have been diehard fans of the Bearcats for the past three years, ever since they became good. Yeah, and honestly, 
I hate to say it, but I don't know how much longer Fickle's going to last there because he'll get <laughs> much better offers than Cincinnati. Oh, for sure. Yeah. LSU, USC. He will be going probably SEC. <laughs> oh, I mean, he deserves to. He made Cincinnati, which is a school I never even thought of until recently, like a powerhouse. Yeah. Like imagine what he could do with like a bigger school, like with better recruiting than LSU or USC. For real. No, I think. Yeah. They, they they are really getting screwed, I think. Yeah, but um, yep, we will be apparently. Well, everyone's saying that this is going to be Pitt's biggest game since two thousand nine. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really excited for it, man. Heinz Field's gonna be packed. You uh finally get to experience a Pitt football game, Absolutely. which I, I've tried to explain to you before. Pitt football games are not going to sell at the entire stadium like Ohio State games. It's kind of a different experience, but. Our seats are right behind the student section, so we will oh. be kind of we will be uh, in a pretty crazy area of the field. Yes, well, that's until we like storm the field, of course, and streak. <laughs> For legal purposes, that is a joke. We are not doing that. We do not plan on that. It was a joke. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, <laughs> no, that, that is a joke. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited, man. Do you know who I hate? Who? The University of Virginia. Virginia isn't real. Honestly, it's a fake state. So there was there was a chance that um college football game day was going to have their like morning game day pres- presentation in Pittsburgh this weekend. If it wasn't for uh I think it was OSU and Michigan State playing this weekend, they probably would have been in Pittsburgh. And I was really considering making a sign that just says Virginia isn't real if they would have came to Pittsburgh. Really not fine. though. I mean, it's a basketball school. They stole Walsh's logo. And could you think of any football players that ever went to Virginia besides the Rondi brother or besides uh, the Barber brothers? Because I can't. There's probably some good ones, but I definitely cannot oh, name uh, anyone from Virginia. Didn't Matt Schwab go there from the Texans? Man, like I was elite, man. I know. It's basketball school. <laughs> basketball school. We we don't give a shit about Virginia. Schwab uh, was born in Pittsburgh. What the hell? How was everybody born in Pittsburgh? A lot of football players come from Pittsburgh. No, he actually he was born in Pittsburgh, but he went to high school in like Eastern PA, so it doesn't count. Um, oh yeah, that's baloney. <laughs> yeah, it um, and we'll see, man, because on the other side of the ACC from us, uh, Wake Forest and Clemson are one and two. They do okay. play this weekend, so I'm right now. Odds are we will play either Wake Forest or Clemson. Probably Wake Forest, though, in the ACC, cha- ACC championship. Yeah, if Clemson, we win this game. <laughs> Clemson sucks. Dude, they're... I mean, they, they turned their season around a little bit. They're five... And, <laughs> I mean, they're five and two in the ACC right now. If they win out the season, there's a chance they could still be in the ACC championship. I mean, it's not enough to... Like that's why I hate college football. It just doesn't make any sense to me. The well, rankings they, and shit. If they beat Wake Forest this week and win again next week, and Wake Forest loses again, uh, they will be winning the ACC Atlantic Division, which means we would have to play Clemson again. Okay, I take it back. Virginia is no longer a basketball school because besides Ralph Sampson, they haven't had a Hall of Famer since. <laughs> I don't think freaking, you guys can correct me from wrong. Freaking Wake Forest, man! Who would have thought that Pitt and Wake Forest would be the top of the ACC right now? Yeah, because that's a basketball school if I've ever heard one. You got Tim Duncan, you got Chris Paul. I mean, Spencer, I know we've talked about this before, but the ACC is basketball schools. No, not Pitt, Dave. Pitt is different. Dude, Pitt was a huge basketball school 10 years ago. I know, and you had... Yeah, course, I mean, even though it was in the Big East at that point, but still. 
Yeah, I know, but of course you had Jerome Lane in the 90s, Akron, Ohio, legend, Jerome Lane. They shattered yeah. the backboard. I know you know what I'm talking about. Well, Pitt basketball is absolutely not um, a good basketball team right now. Because unlike, we, we're, ter- we're terrible. Unlike the Cavs, baby. Not the Virginia Cavs. Well, let me clarify. Dude, but, uh, Pitt, Pitt basketball started off the season with like one of those playing games where you pay the other school to play you. Played Citadel. We lost by 15 points. Oh, my God. That's rough. Lost to WVU last weekend. It, 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 apparently, it, we lost a couple of recruits since then. So Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> yeah, this uh, pit basketball is not good. But we're not focused on that right now. No. We're no not. We're, we are here to talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, the Pitt University football team. <laughs> University of Pittsburgh Panthers. Yeah, and I'm excited, dude. I think that I... Pitt winning 420 to 69 against Virginia. Um, I might cry. I, I think what, <laughs> this is going to happen. Kenny Pickett, game on the line, going to run 100 yards down the field for a QB sneak touchdown. It's going to look oh right God. up in the stands at me. Blow me a kiss. <laughs> and then I'm going to go on the field while, um, I don't know, some, some shit plays in the background. And then we're going to get... Sweet Caroline. No, fuck no. I hate that song. Oh, well, that's like the theme song that everyone stands for and sings. So, no, we're not doing that. We're walking down to uh, <laughs> we go together and I show up from Greece. <laughs> oh then God. we're going to get in my red Corvette and then we're going to fly off into the sun like John Travolta and Olivia Newton John <laughs> in Greece. <laughs> Dude, Pittsburgh's going to be like chaotic Saturday night because it's a uh, it's light up night in the city of Pittsburgh, too. What does that mean? It's like a big like celebration of like entering in christmas where like there's just tons of stuff around the city like tens of thousands of people come into it on top of that and a pit game mm. so well yeah, guys it... let me say one more thing i'm sorry david didn't mean to interrupt no you're fine i had nothing to say anyways i was just gonna say don't put up your christmas tree before thanksgiving please don't that's so, all it's always been a tradition with my family that we do it the day after thanksgiving oh my god come on dave and jan dave senior and jan <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's always a thing, man. Uh, the Wait, you said the day after Thanksgiving? Yeah, day after Thanksgiving. Oh, never mind. I, I yeah. apologize to your parents. I'm sorry. Dude, day after Thanksgiving, like every year, 10 a.m., my dad will have me out on the roof putting lights up. Oh, yeah, no, that's that's acceptable. But, you know, I don't want to hear Mariah Carey right now. I don't want to watch any Dr. Seuss movies. It is if, Thanksgiving time. If, and... you, if you don't want to hear Mariah Carey, do not go into any Target store. Dude, I went into some shit this week. Uh so I don't remember what store it was, but they were playing that uh, Paul McCartney Christmas song that I that makes my blood boil. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, uh, Wonderful Christmas Time. Oh my god, I hate that song. I like it. Oh my god, we need to do an episode <laughs> on the worst Christmas songs because yes, I let's power rank our least and most favorite um, Christmas right, I'm songs. Gonna, I'm just spoiling mine right now. My least favorite is by far the Christmas shoes song. Uh, my my least favorite one is the. Uh, what is it like hippopotamus song or whatever the frick it is yeah that is the most annoying Ugh. christmas song ever christmas heard. music is overrated i'm sorry y'all i disagree but there are some really bad songs there's a very wide spectrum of christmas songs it could either be a complete banger or it's just trash yeah um do you want the week after thanksgiving let's 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 do that we'll do a bracket of christmas songs it's completely like, fine with me let's do it yeah we'll make a bracket off air or on air i don't know maybe we'll have a guest on or some maybe Santa will come on or some shit, <laughs> but 
Pit football. We got how the hell did we get here? Pit, pit freaking football. <laughs> how did we get talking about Spencer two years or was it two years ago? Two years ago or two and a half years ago before he met me, would you ever think that you'd be drinking an icy light in a Heinz Field parking lot before a pit football game? I mean, maybe. <laughs> that was two and a half years ago before, like the, whenever we became friends but yeah i didn't know i didn't know who the hell you were then oh look at us man we are going to yeah. be enjoying a freaking crazy pit game i think we are 10 point favorites right now so hopefully Absolutely. we can pull off a dub and yeah, we, yeah. it is going to be nuts and i am pumped happy birthday dave thank you sir thank you sir i feel like an old man you are old <laughs> you mark price here yep true all right you uh got anything else uh, let's go pit, baby. Um, let's go pit. Let's go, let's go. Cavaliers. I can't believe I just said that. Um, hey, 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 there we go. <laughs> let's go. No, wait, uh, st- just stop. Those are the only teams that matter, right? Oh, and the Penguins, of course. And I was going to say the Fenway Sports Group. Um, and um, <laughs> I don't want them to go, but respect to the Houston Astros today and Chandler. And respect. Res- and respect to the U.S. Men's National Soccer Team, top of the table right now for uh, Olympic or er, World Cup qualifying. So. Yeah, that's good. That, that uh, was talking soccer. Um, let's go Montreal Expos. <laughs> All right. You got anything else? No, that's it. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Yes. M- make sure you follow us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at the I 76 podcast. Let us know what you want to hear, how we're doing, anything, uh, any changes we should make to the pod or anything. And uh, yeah, just thank you guys for listening and see you next week. Peace.